You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Irresistible. Democrats are getting their asses kicked. We need some way to road test a more rural-friendly message. If you can't live your principles in the bad times, I guess they aren't principles, they're just hobbies. Nice. John Wayne and a tractor have a baby, and all you can say is nice. Really nice. Oh my God, it's so nice. Colonel Jack Hastings is our key back into the great now swing state of Wisconsin. He just doesn't know it yet. Can I be completely honest with you? No bull. It'd be nice. My daughter's here. That was your daughter with her arm up the cow. Guys like me don't know how to talk to guys like you. Do a bottle opener? Uh-huh. That's a nice, no, just a twist. Oh, oh, twist yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Maybe he does need a bottle. Maybe use your, your vest. But I would like to offer my services. Can we quiet the cows, please? To help you run for mayor of Deerlocking. And if you could get some of them to face front. Oh my God. I am telling you guys, Jack could be the real deal. This little campaign of ours has caught the attention of the National Republican Party. Why are you here? Because crushing the last piece of hope in your eyes really gets me off. It's good to see you. Yeah. You look fat. It's on here, boys. Game on. Tons of press. Lots of money. This seems a bit crazy. Don't put all the black ones in the center. He's running as a moderate. This is the 18. All you have is fear. 20 bucks says I do better with fear than you do with shame. The Democrat Party can't win. They're getting desperate. This is really just another perfect example of the DC elite trying to dictate how we should live. That's we, your DC elite. Oh, no, actually, I'm from here. I'm from Deer Lackett. That's a lie. That's a lie. No, no that's what are you even okay. doing? I'm from well, here. You're All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Irresistible, and the story is as follows. A Democratic political consultant helps a retired Marine colonel run for mayor in a small Wisconsin town. The film is starring Steve Carell, Chris Cooper, Mackenzie Davis, Topher Grace, Natasha Lyonne, and Rose Byrne. It is written and directed by John Stewart. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Dan Baer. How are you? You look fat. That, that was me. That wasn't really <laughs> nice of you to say. I, okay. Um... <laughs> It's a line from Rose Byrne. I know. I just like, I'm so self-conscious right now. Uh, and Daniel Howitt. Hello, Matt. You look wonderful today. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> Would you say I look irresistible? Oh. <laughs> All right. So irresistible, serious. This is a serious movie, people. Or is it a funny movie? Or is it a funny movie pretending to be serious? A serious movie pretending to be funny? I don't know. That's what we're going to dive into today with Jon Stewart's second narrative feature film after his directorial debut, Rosewater. A film that, quite honestly, at the time I found to be underwhelming, but actually, in retrospect, it's not bad. It was actually like, you know, it wasn't a great movie, but I thought it was a good movie. And I thought that Jon Stewart showed potential as a uh, storyteller. And it's very clear the types of stories that he wants to tell. He wants to make uh, movies that have an impact on our present times, politically speaking. And Irresistible is another stab at that, only it's tonally all over the place. Mm. So we're going to dive into that. 
Uh, let's hear first from Daniel Howitt. Welcome back to the podcast, sir. Thank Howitt, you. what did you think of Irresistible? Um, well, I mean, I was excited for the movie because Jon Stewart, uh, like you said, I think Rosewater was a, it was a good movie. It was, it was very solid, um, respectable, maybe not super memorable, but it was, it was very solid. Um, and then on top of that, hearing that he's making a political election comedy, uh, starring Steve Carell, I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Jon Stewart's one of the, like, you know, smartest political comedians, um, ever. So, so hearing all that sounds phenomenal um and so i couldn't be more disappointed with irresistible it's just so bland um there is nothing smart or politically insightful or interesting or even very funny about it um so it's not a bad movie it's just truly mediocre um steve carell is fine rose Byrne is fine chris cooper and mackenzie davis and all the rest are fine no one's doing anything special not even rose Byrne, who's trying to be like crazy and out there and licking Steve Carell's face. Um, even that wasn't really that funny. It was just okay. Um, the plot is dumb. I mean, just these massive political minds descending on this tiny town for mayoral election. Uh, okay, sure, I guess. They try to have it both ways of being serious and, uh, and, and having some earnest political attempting to have earnest political insights and also being a very broad comedy. And like you said, Matt, the tone is all over the place for this and, and just doesn't ultimately go anywhere. And the jokes are just the easiest possible jokes you can make at both political parties. Like, LOL, look at how out of touch these liberals are. And LOL, look at these homophobic Republicans. It's just like the simplest. There's nothing deeper than that to these jokes. Like it's just, there's just nothing there. So uh, so yeah, I'm disappointed. There are going to be worse movies this year, but this is just one of the most like bland and mediocre. It's just forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Bear, what about you? I really wish I had something better to say than um, the other Dan here, but I don't. And it makes me really, really sad because I do think that if anyone could have made a really great political satire about our current moment, it is Jon Stewart. Yes, yes. And instead, Irresistible feels like it might as well have come out like right after the 2016 election. And as much as all the problems that were present then are still present now, they've also evolved and gotten bigger. Yeah. And larger and this sort of oh if only both sides could sit down and talk to each other and listen to each other maybe we'd have something here is just like we have gone so far beyond that and like part of that i understand is not this movie's fault like there's yeah. no way they could have predicted every anything that happened in 2020 when they were making this but even still without that we have still grown gone so far beyond where we were in 2016 that like this feels badly out of date and out of touch like even to the choir that it's preaching to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because i mean I mean, if anyone like John Stewart is smart enough to know that like only his people who like him are going to come out to watch this. And that means mostly not conservatives. And 
it's just it doesn't so it doesn't do what it needs to do and it tries to like flip everything on its head in the last like five ten minutes of the movie to say like oh you thought we were doing this but we're really doing this and I was just like if you had made the whole movie about that maybe you would have had something but then trying to also make it this like broad stupid political comedy it it doesn't it doesn't work Mm -hmm. and that makes me really really sad Mm -hmm. like i kept thinking the whole time watching this of the campaign that will ferrell yeah yes movie i'm like you know, that at least had the balls to be a full-on, out-and-out, stupid comedy. Mm-hmm. And this wanted to also be something serious and doesn't work. You know how many of us are going to end up reviewing this movie positively? Nuns of us. <laughs> I had to. I had to. I couldn't oh believe that that was God. a joke in the movie. Oh and that's how I felt about a lot of the humor in this movie. You guys are talking about the broad humor here. And one thought that occurred to me while watching Irresistible was this is a movie for my parents. My parents are sure. left leaning mm. and they they love broad humor. You know, they're not one for uh, very clever humor. They're, they're they're definitely more broad. And I thought to myself, they're the ones that are going to eat this up. And I started asking, did Jon Stewart make this movie specifically for them and less so for us? And I was thinking about it and saying to myself, this does this really does feel like it is a movie that is directed um, at Democrats, not at um, anyone on the Republican side. I mean, let's face it, as you said before, they're not even going to come out and see mm-hmm. this movie because it's written and directed by John Stewart, mm-hmm. plain and simple. Yeah. So he's making the movie for Democrats and he's trying to maybe get them to see this from another perspective so that this way um, they can change uh, political elections in smaller towns and really just chill out with the level of financing that goes into um, Mm -hmm. funding these elections. And also, too, there's other, like, dirty, underhanded tactics, and the movie does try to highlight how absurd some of it is, and of course, you have like this then larger than life um, character caricature Republican uh, woman that's played by Rose Byrne, who is completely campy and over the top and single handedly the best part about the movie because easily it, it, it feels like that was the tone that they just should have gone for. And instead of Steve Carell playing the straight man fish out of water story in this small Wisconsin town, why not how also have him be over-the-top caricature type and then maybe have him undergo a character change by the end. Instead, his realization and character... He doesn't even have a character change, really. He just more comes to a sad realization by the end of the movie. And I, I, I was very confused by pretty much almost every creative decision that this movie made. At least... And I'm not gonna ruin it for anybody, but at least the ending to this movie, you guys know... I think it's well publicized at this point. I actually like Vice and I love Adam McKay's, uh, st- uh, you know, style of directing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Jon Stewart saw the big short or Vice, one or the other, and decided to inject some of that into the ending of this movie. And 
I actually kind of liked it. And I do wish that the rest of the movie then followed that sort of over-the-top, campy, satirical style. And all I kept thinking was, I actually want to see Adam McKay's uh, version of these events. Not necessarily the same movie, but maybe get his commentary on some of this and see what he would be able to whip up. Because that style just seems to work for me. Everything else preceding that, though, is just so bland and broad and... Dare I say, yeah, boring. It's like I as much as people may not like Vice, you can't accuse Adam McKay of not having a point of view and a sure. sense of style. And in this, I for the most part of the movie, it's just like, what what are you trying to say here? You know, the moment where like there's a Jurassic Park reference, for example. Yeah. Like have more ridiculous moments such as that. I I, I found this stuff like that to be great, but like all the stuff with like the locals at the bar, oh, we don't have Wi-Fi, and yeah. how Steve Carell just can't believe how nice everybody is. Oh my God. I, I want I wanted more ridiculous stuff like him eating the muffin and right. stuffing his face. That, like that just just go for the that hammy stuff. That was great. Yeah. Him basically having an orgasm while eating this muffin from a small time bakery (laughs) was really funny. But I have to say, the movie, it practically lost me right off the bat because we know, obviously, from trailers and things that this town has a name. It's Deer Lock in Wisconsin. And, you know, we can talk about how ridiculous or not that is. But yeah, leave that aside for the moment. I just like when the movie starts with a shot i mean doesn't open with this but the plot proper begins with a shot of cows and they put over it rural america yeah heartland usa and i'm like are you kidding me yeah and then as it went on i'm like there's not a single significant role in this film that's played by a poc really john stewart and dan you know right before uh that happened the opening titles had me very intrigued you know starting off with the 2016 election the audio clips the pictures of uh the politicians and getting a snapshot at uh gary and faith as these uh, democratic and republican strategists i i I was like okay like good setup i'm interested to see where things go post 2016 election and what he does with these two characters Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, once that title flashcard comes up, I was like, okay, all right, I guess we're going to Wisconsin uh, for what? I guess Chris Cooper has this viral speech, and it just turned out to be a fish out of water story. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Yeah, the yeah. Tone, tone just never gets there. It's never funny enough. Like, the broad jokes aren't funny enough. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and, and then the, the heartfelt stuff, as they're trying to have this... I don't know, big realization about about the you know coming together with these two parties, whatever they're trying to say, it never actually lands. And so it's just it's just nothing. It's just like and you know, John Stewart is still a funny guy and he can write a good laugh line and there are plenty of good like individual lines in this movie, sure. but the the situation and the plot are so <laughs> It doesn't it just doesn't work. I thought the ending, especially going back to that again, it stretched believability for me to the point where I was like, there's absolutely no way in the hell this would ever actually happen. Mm. And 
it, it feels so nasty and dirty how it undercuts the entire movie that you just yeah. sat through, which was mediocre to begin with. But I kind of admired that it yeah. like went for broke with this and basically told us to fuck off with its ending. And I was like, I kind of admire that. <laughs> Me too, honestly, I was like sitting there. I'm like, going, this makes no sense. Is completely, totally out of step with everything else this movie is doing, but so much so that I almost admire it. <laughs> like it's so crazy and out there, but also like, it's not crazy and out there enough <laughs> to like really make it worth mm-hmm. it. Sadly. And then the interview at the end I thought was pretty good too. I almost wish they had more uh, interviews conducted by Jon Stewart with real life politicians sprinkled throughout the movie maybe to help highlight uh, some of the, of the absurdities that we yeah. were seeing in the movie. Okay. Yeah. So here's, I, I had a big problem with that interview during the credits. And okay. The thing is, is that like, if you feel the need that you have to put something like that in the credits so that people will understand what your movie is about, you maybe should rewrite your movie. Yeah, it's true. Because that's what it felt like. If like, you're like, well, we got to put this in there to make sure people get it. I'm like, you, you just had 90 minutes to make sure that I got it if you really don't think that I got it, that you need to put this in during the credits. Like, and like, it's a great interview. It's very powerful, but like the movie should not have needed that. Totally agree. And it, it doesn't fit after the, after the actual ending of the movie. It it just felt completely like they had these, you know, whatever it was, three endings, uh, this fake out vice thing, um, that came out of nowhere and doesn't that in itself doesn't fit with the tone of the movie. And then it shifts again to this interview. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was weird. And then also, too, I, I was trying to figure out the entire time why the movie was called Irresistible. And then to actually highlight it at the very end, <laughs> I was like, oh, OK, oh that's God, why. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So it really has nothing to do with the movie. Literally, the, yeah. Irresistible has nothing to do with the movie. Just resist. Oh, boy. I mean, I, I guess it's a commentary on the funding and the money. The money's irresistible, but we have to resist it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like, a couple other things, too, that I also have here. Um, Topher Grace and Natasha Leone do absolutely nothing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nothing. Totally wasted, especially Natasha Leone. Yeah. Why? Why? I, I, they could have been played by any unknown actor. They had nothing to do True. in this. True. Uh, Mackenzie Davis, uh, a welcome on screen presence, bland character, even in the third act, still incredibly bland to me. Why? Because I never, ever bought into any kind of chemistry with Steve Carell. And I was constantly weirded out at any kind oh of a sexual God, yes. tension between the two on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely agree. And, you know, who was actually like, you know, other than Rose Byrne, who, like I said, best in show. Um, I genuinely did like Chris Cooper in this style. Yeah, I mean he's good. He's he's good at being Chris Cooper, you know. Um, I, I, I yeah, he, he was well cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 more more than a great performance. It was great casting. Uh, he he he's exactly the type of person he needs to be. I'm not sure that he does anything remarkable in the movie. He just he has the 
the straightforward nature. His tone is never all over the place. He's pretty straightforward no. the whole time. And so that really. And I think that's why I actually liked him in this is that he was well cast yeah. and you're right. He was consistent mm-hmm. the whole way through. Not great, but he showed up, did his job, worked well for the movie. Carell, on the other hand, I. I, I, I have to admit, I'm, be, I'm beginning to get to a point with Steve Carell where I dislike more of his performances and I like his performances at this point. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought he was really mugging a lot of this movie and just like not actually giving a good performance. I, I want to say just like mugging for the camera to his credit. I think the script is terrible and he had very little to work with. Sure. Um, yes. But I think Steve yeah. Carell works best when he's playing a very unique character. Yeah. Even like in something like Last Flag Flying, where he's going against every single Steve Carell ism that we associate with him to deliver something that's actually a little bit different, a little unique. Foxcatcher mm-hmm. obviously being another one. But anytime Steve Carell's like hired to just be Steve Carell, the shtick for me is getting old. And I feel like there's a mixture of both that and also too an earnest believability to something that he brought in like Beautiful Boy, where quite honestly, it just hasn't it hasn't worked for me yet. Like him playing the straight man uh, just is something that I have not fully bought into yet with his on screen persona. Yeah. Yeah. This back to back with Space Force is uh, just uh, two big misses. Two big political comedy misses back to back that just don't say anything interesting. No. Agreed. No. Yeah. DC Gary. Oh, I. Yeah. (laughs) What do you mean, the locals in the bar? Oh, this is Gary. DC Gary. Oh, man, I, I like I said, I, I think that there is humor here that will work for some people. But and I chuckled here and there, you know, a yeah, couple of times, especially with when Roseburn Roseburn dealing insults is great. It is. Would you say that that's a burn? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the kind of humor that would be all over this movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, like, what, uh, what's her line? Um, uh, oh, uh, she's so pretty. I bet she smells like Pop Tarts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love I, I do love that um, that scene where they're debating on camera and she willingly and knowingly yes. like lies. <laughs> And he calls her out for it, and she's just like, I don't care. And I thought that was actually a really, really good moment from Stewart to highlight how absurd that our political system has become where morals, facts, everything just gets thrown out the window now for the clear objective to just simply win. And in Rose Byrne's case, humiliate, annihilate, and destroy her opponent. <laughs> yeah, it's I I really... the. The political humor laugh lines in this are really good. And I particularly loved all the, if you look at the, all the political ads were hysterical, but they were extra funny if, if you actually look for the, the names of the packs. I'm not sure I saw caught those. Like, they're so dead on perfect in that. I like, didn't notice this either. Name that means like both everything and nothing at the same time oh oh gotcha gotcha like 
Americans questing for truth. Oh, or right, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> like, I was just like, okay, like, okay, yeah. This, I particularly love the one where, like, it's like Jack Hastings, a redder kind of blue. <laughs> like, that is exactly the sort of thing that you would see. I agree. Like, that was, like, amped up to just the right amount degree to be funny. And also, too, like, I, I think Stewart also has a couple other moments of poignancy in this movie where, you know, it touches upon how there are empty promises that are constantly given to the people within these small communities. And they don't actually, and when I say they, I mean like anyone that works in politics, really. They don't give a shit about anyone in these counties, anyone in these cities. All they care about is getting their vote. And they will lie and they will say that they're going to do something and they're really not going to. And and that's like kind of something that I thought that John Stewart was trying to get at here was the working man, uh, everyday average person who does have real troubles and problems. People come into their town. They say they're going to do this, do that for everybody. And then nothing actually ever comes of it. Why? Because they're just saying they're going to do this to try and get their vote. And, you know, that is a interesting message and theme that you can play around with and you can center a movie around but the movie's also trying to do like 19 other things yeah and it kind of gets lost in there i feel yeah. like yeah i just that's the thing is I, I i don't feel like i picked up any any valuable insight uh, about about our political system and and i know john stewart has that um, he can say very often says very wise and smart things about our political system. And I just don't feel like I picked up on anything unique here. There was, there was one line that, uh, Mackenzie Davis has where she says something like she makes the, um, the Michelle Obama reference, the, when they go low, we go high. And she's like something like, when, so when they go low, we go almost as low, but we feel worse doing it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's good. There's there's another line, too, that I wrote down here. Um, and honestly, I, I, I should have wrote more notes. I don't remember the context. I don't remember who said this. But the line is. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying you're scared. Mm, yeah. And I find that to be such an incredibly highlighting uh, mm. aspect of our current political system. It's fear and pride that prevents people from doing uh, the right thing yeah. all the time. That's really all it boils down to. We're all raised with morals. We all know what's right and wrong. Well, uh, almost everybody. Kind of. I mean, there are definitely <laughs> some people who clearly, clearly do not. But... You know, for example, for a senator to not say the words Black Lives Matter, for example, like refusing to say it, mm -hmm. it's because they are scared at other factors that are in play that are going to backfire on them, prevent them from getting reelection, yeah. preventing them from getting their campaign fu uh, funding, whatever it comes down to. And I, I, I just find that that's always the driving motivator most of the time and why we have the system that we have. It's because it's built around fear. And, you know, if people were just upfront and honest and admitted their mistakes, um, the world would just be a different place. I mean, God help me. I, I, I yeah. hoped I hope I hope 
that um, and sorry to get political here. I pray to God that on November 3rd, if President Trump uh, loses that election, that he concedes and admits (laughs) and he admits that he lost. Um, I don't think it's going to happen because Mm. these guys just are filled with pride and fear of losing their backing from other political uh, party members and such. And it just like, just admit, just, just say it, you know, just say the damn truth. And I think that that's yet another thing that Stewart's trying to get through with this movie. But once again, it kind of just gets lost in the shuffle with all the other things that he wants this movie to say. And he wants this movie to do. It's good entertainment for a certain type of audience watcher. But otherwise, it's pretty hollow and messy. And um, I didn't hate it, but I also didn't. I did, I was not enthusiastic about it. Yeah, it's it's really it's yeah. not a horrible film. It's it's watchable enough. Um, I wasn't mad at it, or uh, you know, I, I didn't hate any element of it. I just uh, know that it could have and should have been so much more. Um, that that I was disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I'm at a four. I'm at a four out of ten on it. Uh, yeah. what what are you at there? Um, I'm at a five out of ten. Sort of split right down the middle. You know, it just it doesn't do what it needs to do. And my big thing about it, I feel like the more I think about it, if this had been what it was marketed as, if it was really a Steve Carell versus Rose Byrne, um you know, political swiping sort of thing that would have been really funny. And that would have been so much better than this movie that we ended up getting. And I also just realized too, I, I totally just made a mistake. Um, I'm not a four out of 10. The ending actually pushed me to a five. <laughs> I, I, I had to admire that ending so much. Originally I was a four out of 10 and then that ending happened and I was like, Oh, okay. You know, so I'm right there, lockstep with you, uh, Dan Bear. What about you, Howitt? Same, five out of ten. This is like the pinnacle of right down the middle movie. It's it's not terrible. It's not certainly not good either. It's just there. Yep, absolutely. Uh, even in a shortened year, and obviously now with the Academy's uh, latest announcements, uh, I guess we can kiss any Oscar chances this movie ever had goodbye. Are you sure? Sayonara. Mm-hmm. Ain't gonna happen. No award seed campaign funding. For Irresistible. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which, in and of itself, would have uh, produced a very uh, interesting set of uh, meta-commentary essays if that ever were to happen. I would have I would have liked that, actually. <laughs> um, also, another thing, too. Deborah Messing was in this? Yeah. Yeah, for about five seconds. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I, like, what? <laughs> I saw her name in the credits, and I was like, wait, who was Deborah Messing in this movie? Guess it goes to show you how much the movie was holding my attention. <laughs> Do you you think that the producers assumed this would be in the vein of Vice? I mean, this is produced by Plan B and Dee Dee Gardner. And I mean, these are best picture winning producers. I definitely think Mm so. I just think it's hilarious that that this is the film we got when it's Plan B. Like it really could have been with the with the 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 talent behind the scenes. This this is Oscar caliber talent. (laughs) I do think that because of Stewart's passion his knowledge. I do think that he has a good movie in him somewhere. I mean, Rosewater, as we already said, is good enough, but I think he's got a great movie in him. I don't know when he's going to do it. The man's 57 years old, but 
I, 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 I believe that it's in there somewhere, just waiting to come out. Honestly, I think he has a really strong drama in him. Um, that like, <laughs> I, I, for, I don't know why. I mean, because he's a he's a hilarious person and a great comedian. But I feel like a, a great political drama will have uh, insight and biting biting comedy in a different way. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that's what I want to see from from John Stewart, and I think he's got it in him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. And that'll do it here for our review of uh, Irresistible, unless if uh, either one of you have anything else you want to add. I couldn't possibly say anything else about this movie. <laughs> um, th- no, there was one... There was one moment early in the movie that I do want to shout out when they're at sure. this town hall meeting that Chris Cooper breaks up and the mayor of the town is like, I don't make the rules. <laughs> and then he's like, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> you do. And he realizes, you can see it on his face. He realizes after he says it like, oh, wait, I, I, I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. So, uh, Dan Bear, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at DancingDanOnFilm. How about you, Howitt? You can find me on Twitter at HowittDK and on my main show, The Screeners Podcast. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Irresistible here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback there and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will be able to get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.